You're listening to the Functional Nurse Podcast. And on today's episode, I interview Dr. Carrie Jones, a naturopathic doctor and hormone expert. So stay tuned. Hello, nurses, and welcome to this episode of the Functional Nurse Podcast. My name is Bridget Sager, and I am your host. I am so excited for our episode today because we have a wonderful guest. Uh, Dr. Carrie Jones, you may be familiar with, is a naturopathic doctor, and I'm going to introduce her a little bit, and then I am really thrilled to hear what she has, her her thoughts on what we're doing as nurses in this field. Uh, Carrie Jones is a naturopathic a physician in and an internationally recognized speaker, consultant, and educator on the topic of women's health and hormones with over 20 years in the industry. Dubbed the queen of hormones, after her naturopathic training, she did her two-year residency focused on women's health and endocrinology. She went on to get her master's of public health and was one of the first to become board certified through the American Board of Naturopathic Endocrinology. She was the first medical director for Precision Analytical, the Dutch test, and the first head of medical education at Rupa Health. She co-hosts the highly popular Root Cause Medicine podcast that has over 3 million downloads. She is the clinical expert for the Lifestyle Matrix Resource Center and was on Under Armour's Human Performance Council. Currently, she is the Chief Medical Officer at New Ethics Formulations and Head of Medical Education at Metabolic Mentor University. You all are probably familiar with her as a hormone expert. Um, I was at the uh, PLMI conference a couple weeks ago in October, and I was listening to Dr. Jones speak. And it's funny because you guys might have heard me say before I'm introverted, and she was talking about how all the extroverts are at the conference and everybody should talk. So uh, I went up and said hello to her and told her what we do as nurses and what we're learning through the Integrative Nurse Coach Academy. We were talking about nurse coaching. I find a little humor in the fact that it was not your, it wasn't your topic of the day. You were talking about dinosaurs mostly. It was a different different topic, but we talked about neuroimmune health. You were talking about brain health topics. You're an expert in so much uh, functional medicine topics um, that we could talk about more than just hormones today. But that is what I would love to hear from you. So thank you for being here. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for, well, one, coming up to me at the conference. I love that you <laughs> took, this, took the nudge, the suggestion, and two, for having me on the show. Yeah, I think, you know, my uh, students all the time, like the the hormone thing is like such a big topic for so many people. And you know, and I know all my students know, like it is an underserved population, just women hormone balancing is like in its own topic. When I worked in primary care, I just was heartbroken all the time at the the lack of care and 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 the lack of information that women have about their own health and bodies and the lack of service that they get a lot of the times when they do seek care. So I loved in learning functional medicine. It's one of the reasons I came to it is, you know, the our potential to really support women in that way. And so um, it's a huge topic for so many of my students. And so I really appreciate that you're going to share with us. Where I wanted to start with this is, you know, that like nurses don't, we were talking before we hit record that nurses often don't realize the role that they can play in functional medicine as educators and patient advocates and that hormones are such a great example of that. And so I I thought we could kind of have our talk today be about the idea of like, the basics are often where where we can start when we're helping people. And, you know, like you did, you worked for Precision Analytical and, and you're like expert in Dutch testing, right? That that is, um, I will always tell my clients, let's let's put that on the back burner. That's a lot of money. And I would love to try to address some of the things that stand out to me that are, that are um, much more foundational. And I try to empower my students to see that and their ability to really impact people's health journey in that way. So I thought today we could start with you um, sharing some about just uh, initially, uh, I think, your ideas on tuning up foundations overall, like just like how often do you feel like starting with a Dutch test is the right way to go? That's such a good question, especially because I used to work <laughs> for them for so long and people would ask me, oh, I bet you start everybody off with a Dutch test. And I'd always say, I don't, I wouldn't. It's, I love the test. It's a great test. And when you, when it's time, it's time. But I have found that, you know, our hormones, there are canary in the coal mine. They're extremely dramatic. And when I say hormones, I mean, it could be 
your estrogens, your progesterone, your testosterone, your DHEA, your cortisol, like your thyroid. There's a lot of hormones, tons of hormones. And they are the end of the system. They, they're, they're the last thing out from the brain all the way down through the bloodstream into the mitochondria, whatever cell it is, and then out pops a hormone and that's to go do its job. But they're reactive. And so if somebody comes to you and says, I have really bad PMS, or I'm having trouble getting pregnant, or I took a test, I think I have PCOS, or I'm headed into menopause and this sucks. I'm having all these symptoms. Can we test my hormones? I do love the idea of testing your hormones, but knowing hormones are so reactive, this is why. And I think nurse coaches are the perfect group to be set up for this. You already have such a strong medical background. You already have that great patient interaction. You you establish that rapport really easily and often have more time um, to do so. So you can go into those questions of, Hey, what's been going on lately? Hey, but before we get to your hormones, very important. I hear you. I feel you. We're absolutely going to touch on those. But like, tell me how, how you've been doing lately. How's your stress been? How's your energy been? Have you been sleeping? You know, like, tell me about all about your digestion. Tell me you're, you're going to run through all the systems because in, inevitably, most of the time you find it's kind of chaos. I mean, you kind of find mm-hmm. people are sleeping that well. They maybe lay in bed for eight hours. But when you ask them how often... Are you actually falling asleep? You know, they're like, oh, I don't know, three or four, but then I wake up and then I go back to sleep. You know, or how's your stress? Oh, it's fine. Well, if you had to rank it, what would it be? Well, oh my gosh, lately it's been like an eight or 10, but it's always that way. So I always just push through. You know, they, they give you these keys constantly. Well, what is your GI health like? Well, I, a lot of constipation, but a lot of gas and bloating. You know, and so as they're unraveling this story, you're asking them about, habits tell me about your hydration habits your dietary habits your movement habits you know smoking or drugs what what do you do for a living what are your hobbies this gives you immediate feedback just as you said of like okay hormones are really important i'm starting to see a picture as to maybe why they've gone off the rails they're being extra dramatic in your body and let me back up and start with these foundations i mean you and i were joking before we hit record that my husband of 10 years, who is not in the medical field at all, but he is a very intelligent man, however, never treat your family, we've all decided, <laughs> announced to me yesterday he was on LinkedIn and some guy he is LinkedIn friends with t- takes cold plunges, does two-minute cold plunges because he wants to build his resilience, support his HPA access, prove to himself he can do hard things, and it invigorates him. And my husband was like, this is great. I t- so I took a two-minute cold shower today because I want to build my resilience. I want to, you know, support my stress access. I want to do hard things. And all I could do with- as his wife is just stare at him dumbfounded because I thought, I take a cold shower over- almost every morning. I, I mean, it's like we talk about it. Well, and, but, and, and what, what, what audience, <laughs> the audience doesn't know that you were standing on a stage in front of hundreds of people last week talking about taking a cold shower in the morning yes, for my yes. Montreal health. Yes. And so, but we, we're going to get these clients in who have no idea or, or maybe they've been told six times and you're the seventh time to tell them as the nurse coach. And that's what tips them over the edge because they've made the appointment, they paid, you've explained it to them and they're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to, in a stepwise fashion, work on these foundational things. And as we all know, there's no magic supplement out there. If there was a magic supplement, none of us would hold back. We would put it in the water supply and give it to everybody. So by doing the foundational things, we often find our clients say, my, my symptoms got better. Like, oh my gosh, my period was so good this week. Or hey, look, I got a positive pregnancy test or, I, you know, my blood sugars are so much better or my hair growth is coming back. These little things, and you didn't even have to do the test in the first place. Now, again, I love testing. Don't get me wrong. Yep. But as I look around the airport, as I look around some of these big box stores, apparently as I look at my husband, I'm like, the foundational things need to be really addressed and nurses are the prime group to do that 100 percent. yes and i think too we're, we're starting to talk about stress which is i had like this umbrella picture of what we talked about and that's what the <laughs> first one right and then before we hit record we were talking about that now you're working with lifestyle matrix resource center as their stress guru yes. right and yeah that um 
that we need to have a whole nother visit about what they offer because nurse coaches need I like stress just just that like how often do you do an intake on somebody and they're there for their like you said there's so many kinds of hormones but they know what kind they're they're talking about right and they want to come see you for hormones and you see that they sleep a few hours a night and they have a really high stress life and so I was thinking of specific questions to ask you that my students might be interested in and and under the umbrella of stress what do you what have you seen in all the like thousands I'm guessing Dutch tests you've looked at and yeah. the and you're testing cortisol at the same time like like when you do go straight forward and you're not addressing stress like what are your takeaways from that so cortisol a couple things that I like to point out so cortisol it gets a bad rap because when we think of high cortisol we think of oh it gives us the spare tire around our belly you know, increases heart rate, high blood pressure, you know, hair loss, like all these super negative things. What we forget about blood sugar or excuse me, cortisol is that its main job is a glucocorticosteroid. So blood sugar, it's glucose regulating. So when your cortisol goes up, so does your blood sugar. And thousands of tests, a lot of people come in because I can't lose weight and I can't sleep and I feel tired as a result. So these top three complaints, I'm not saying they're the only complaints, but we'd see it over and over and over again. And oftentimes they would have this really elevated stress response for whatever reason in their body. And it was affecting glucose, which is then affecting insulin and insulin sensitivity. It's affecting lipids like triglycerides. And But they're coming to you as they're going, oh, nothing's working, I, I, I can't lose weight. And, and because of the blood sugar dysregulation, it can also affect their sleep. Because if you get a dip in the middle of the night, your blood sugar crashes down, then your cortisol goes, oh no, that's too low. And your cortisol will go up because it's gonna drive your glucose up. And what do you do? You wake up because your glucose went up or your, your, your cortisol went up. And as a result, it becomes this cyclical pattern where people think, I just need to supplement. Like what supplement will help me lose weight? Like what's the magic diet that will help me lose weight? Not wanting to address the sheer amount of stress that they have going on in their life, the nervous system dysregulation they're going on in their life. Now on the flip side, not only does cortisol affect your glucose, but it affects your reproductive hormones. Because if you think about it, we are built for reproduction. Whether we want to or not is beside the point. But our ovaries and our brain and every month, if you're still cycling, if you're listening to this and still cycling, your brain does a quick scan of the system and decides, is this going to be a month that you could reproduce? So let's go ahead and do the cycle, ovulate, prepare for implantation or not. And then next cycle, if you choose not to implant or it doesn't happen. What we forget is that when our stress barometer is through the roof, when our cortisol is high, when our nervous system is out of whack, then our brain goes, oh, no, <laughs> not this month. And it will negatively impact the pulses down to the ovaries that would allow you to ovulate or make hormones correctly, release the egg, prepare for implantation, etc. So I have had in a lot of cases, now when we say stress, I can mean any stress. I can mean mental, emotional, but I can also mean physical. Maybe you've got a, a chronic infection. You've got a flare in your autoimmune. Um, it could be environmental. You're in the uh, poor air quality. You're somewhere in the United States when it's fire season. You know, the, you could have chemicals. Your neighbor uses, you live next to a farm and your neighbor's constantly spraying pesticides and herbicides and fungicides and you're unfortunately breathing it in. I mean, you can have stress from a lot of different ways in the body. And it can also be from dehydration. It can also be from lack of nutrients. It could also be from, you know, glucose dysregulation. We forget that stress is not only mental, emotional, but it's it's sort of very all-encompassing. And so when you get that, the brain goes, oh, not this month. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw off ovulation and cause hormones to be problematic. And that also includes like how your thyroid works, how you can make thyroid hormone in the first place. And so now we come in and say, again, I'm tired. I can't sleep. I'm gaining weight. My periods suck or my menopause is hard what's the supplement? Like what's, yeah. what's the one thing that I can go on? But this is why nurse coaches are so primed for this because you have the experience and the time to step back and go, I hear you, but let me get this story because here's what I'm hearing in your story and maybe where we should focus first. Stress and nervous system dysregulation is a big one in our society. And because I would imagine a lot of patients who are coming to see you or clients are probably female and a lot of a lot of females have that 
you know, we're, we're, we're generally survivors. And so we will tell you our stress is not that big of a deal or that high. But when they tell us the story, we're trying to keep a very straight professional face. But in our head, we're going, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, my gosh. So they could even downplay their stress. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. But meanwhile, the house is burning down around them and it will show up in their glucose. It will show up in their insulin. It will show up in their hormones. And so by understanding how the web all works and is connected, it makes it really nice to be able to take a step back, take a breath and go, we've got some foundational stuff to work on here. Let's start there. You explain that so well. I feel like so many people think hormones are so complicated, like sex hormone balancing, and then you talk and I'm like, oh, that sounds so simple. <laughs> it's just getting people to do it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is right. the coaching part, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, you brought up insulin resistance. And I don't know how many times a, a client has like pushed for a Dutch test with me. And I'm like, okay, we'll do it. You know, like if it'll show you, if you want to see it, we should absolutely do it. Because I like I teach my students, if they if them seeing it will get them there, then that is what we do. Right. Like, um, and so I don't know how many times they think that we're going to be talking about sex hormones a whole bunch when we get the results. And we're really talking about <laughs> blood sugar. Right. What's going on in the That's... middle of the night? Are you waking up at 3 a.m.? You know, um, so if you could share some more of your insights on insulin resistance and how it plays into all this, I would love that. Yes. So when this is I actually just got this recently from Dr. Casey Means. Dr. Casey Means is the chief medical officer and co-founder of Levels. Levels is one of the continuous glucose monitor companies. And Casey was talking about cellular metabolism. So cellular metabolism is actually how we take our food or our supplements and turn it into energy. So how we break down those nutrients and we go through like the Krebs cycle and then we go into the electron transport chain and we make ATP. Well, the Krebs cycle and the electron transport chain where we make ATP or energy happens in the mitochondria. If anything disrupts the mitochondria, and they're also sensitive little little beings as well, little organelles, um, then we it comes to a screeching halt because it, it, it we wants to make more ATP, but if the the body is on, if the house is on fire, if the cell is on fire, if there is stuff going on, then you're going to get a dysfunction in this ability to make ATP, which means you're going to get a backup in the system. So now the foods or the fatty acids that you're trying to incorporate into the cycle, it's like stuck. It's like trying to push the, the like the materials into a factory that's not turned on yet. So it just it just like loads up outside of the of the loading door. And the same thing happens in your body. And so what else is made in your mitochondria? Your steroid hormones are made in your mitochondria. The first step of your estrogens, your progesterone, your testosterone, your DHEA, your cortisol, that all happens in the mitochondria. So if you have any dysfunction in making hormones, you're going to have dysfunction in making ATP. So there goes your battery power, which is going to impact how you break down fatty acids. So that's going to impact your glucose and insulin and then vice versa. If you have glucose and insulin issues, you're going to have ATP energy issues. And because it's in the same organelle, you're going to have hormonal issues. And it, it once you like wrap your head around, oh my gosh, we need those organelles to literally battery power us. It means each Double A batteries is what I say. Like we, the cell at any given moment, hopefully, puts out enough power in a day to, for a double A battery. But if you are not able to do that, then it's just like anything you have in your life that runs on batteries, like a remote control or anything, it's just not going to work well or at all. And so it's going to affect hormone production and subsequently also glucose and insulin. And so when we're back to the foundational part, which is not exactly you know sexy. But we're back to like, we've got to hit the basics. Like we have to work on that metabolism through, tell me about what your, your diet, and your movement. Let's evaluate your glucose and insulin. Like are, have you already moved into metabolic syndrome? Let's talk about your sleep because we know sleep, particularly melatonin, healthy melatonin production at night, sets you up for success for your insulin sensitivity the next day. If you have a crappy sleep, you have higher risk for insulin resistance the next day. You're you're going to have higher glucose. You're going to have like more hunger. It's not going to be a good thing. And so you can just see this, this whole sort of sphere start to form when people say, just as you said, like, I want to do this test. I just want to see. 
But meanwhile, maybe they brought you some blood work in or maybe you started with some blood work and you see that their glucose and insulin and triglycerides and hemoglobin A1C are really starting to creep up there. And oh, by the way, they're having hormonal problems at the same time. And so you and they can't sleep and they're tired. Right. The, it, it, and, 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 and. And when we peel a layer of the, of the onion back, glucose, blood sugar, insulin, part of the foundations. Absolutely. And thankfully, if you do that test, it is pretty inexpensive, right? A, a glucose or an A1C mm. you know, or insulin, really pretty affordable, generally covered by insurance. And then you can coach them through that. Like, oh, you're getting, you're at, your fasting glucose here is 103. Oh, you're in fast insulin. You're up in the double digits. Like we have to talk about this because it's going to impact all of the outcomes that you're looking for. Well, in allopathic Western healthcare, like it, association between diabetes and energy is just missing. Like we're not yeah. even acknowledging that. Right. And it's like one of the chief complaints of people coming to be cared for is fatigue. And yeah. I think about back when I worked on a cardiac unit in the hospital and some ICU for like several years where I'm watching on the monitor people's hearts overnight. Right. And now I think about, you know, the the I think my students already do this, like the mitochondria, the amount per cell varies based on different parts of the body. And the heart has a much higher demand, way more mitochondria. And I think now about how many of those people were diabetic and pre-diabetic and how many of them were they lacking my, one of my favorite things to say about functional medicine is it's it's we're acknowledging biochemistry and we're yeah. acknowledging the demands of the cell and the demands of the biochemistry and the, or the d demands of mitochondria in a way that a lot of healthcare isn't. And then I think back to all those patients with those hearts that couldn't do the job they needed to do because they were lacking essential nutrients or they were exposed to something toxic that was impairing a really basic pathway. And it's so interesting when you learn functional medicine and acknowledge it's like it's just the basics. It really is. <laughs> There's a lot of hate. You, it's funny you mentioned the heart. There's a lot of hate on the liver and the concept of detoxification in conventional medicine. I see it a lot on social media where conventional practitioners will say, you know, don't listen to those functional people because they'll tell you that you need to do a detox or you need to take this supplement for your liver, or your kidneys. But you were born with a, your liver's fine. It's a, it's a filter. It's doing, you know, it's doing what it's supposed to do. You don't need to add anything else into it. And I'm like, until it's not, until you're B vitamin deficient, until you're missing magnesium until you're you know don't have enough zinc in your system because your immune system's over here fighting this chronic infection like until you have these endocrine disrupting chemicals flowing through your liver every day until you know until you give up that wine like until 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 and and then when you see how detoxification works since you mentioned biochemistry it's just nutrients. <laughs> like it's, it's a lot of nutrients that make those cycles go round and round. And even in the Krebs cycle, um, it, like on, on the Dutch tested as an example, there's a marker for a particular B12. It's adenosyl cobalamin. So we have, we have two active forms of B12, adenosyl and methyl. We have the natural form, which is hydroxo, and we have the synthetic form, which is cyano. So adenosyl B12 helps you make one of the substrates that gets into the Krebs cycle. If you are B12 deficient, your Krebs cycle comes to a screeching halt. Like you, you can't make the thing that goes into the Krebs cycle to keep going round and round. And so I tell people I get, I, I would never want to sell something. I get sham supplements. I get the sham sort of, you know, detox stuff. I can see why conventional practitioners are upset about it. But on the flip side, since I'm looking at bio biochemistry and physiology, like, but you're actually literally missing the ingredient that you need in this one aspect. And that's just one example of helping to make pieces and parts of the liver go round and to help you detoxify. And that's the part that I wish we learned. So either you're not getting it in because you don't eat foods with B vitamins in it, like B12, or you're not breaking it down stomach acid issues, right? You have intestinal issues or you're fully intestinal issues. Like you just, you can't absorb it in the first place. So maybe you get it, but your, your microbiome is such a mess. Your, the, the wall of your intestines are, are so inflamed and, and your immune system's ticked off. And so you're not going to absorb it in the first place. The immune system's going to sweep it on out. And so by just understanding these key things, now you can coach somebody through 
hey, look, let's evaluate the food you're eating for the nutrients that are in there. And let's make sure you're chewing your food. And let's figure out if you can actually break this food down. And let's help reduce the inflammation in your GI tract and improve your microbiome so you feel amazing and these cycles can work. And nobody ever taught us that ever in life. <laughs> we didn't get that in high school, you know, unless you actually sought it out or maybe went into that kind of degree. I have so many conventional practitioners, medical school, super specialists, nurses with 30 years experience who were like, I never learned that. I'm like, I know, I know. It's unfortunate. We should have learned it as right. 101. Like when you're telling somebody to chew and they're like, come on, you know, and it's like, no, really, you have to actually chew your food for it to get in there. I use an, ex an example all the time uh, the, about a nurse that works in the hospital, you know, and like from the time they wake up to the time they go home and like take care of 50 things out the door after 13 hours at the hospital and they maybe go in the break room and eat for a minute whatever's sitting there, right? And I'm like, at what point in that day were they in resting and digesting, mm -hmm. right? If they're caring for high acuity patients and running, running, running. And so you can eat all you want. But and and and, and honestly, in the hospital, the, the health of my students are experiencing the same thing I did. They're, the health of their peers, you know, over time, just being in a stressed state because you're malnourished because you can eat as much as you want, but it isn't getting where it needs to be. Yeah. And I, there's a great quote. Um, one of my this out of the study that says, you know, you you can really sort of pick one. Right. You if you are fight or flight, then you can't repair, reproduce, heal, detox. Like you can't do all the, the basic stuff upkeep on the human body. Like if there is a fire on your house, you're not going to like mow your lawn pull weeds, you know, this just the, the basic stuff you do if you if you own a house, you know, make sure you go get the mail, pull the trash cans up. Like there's a fire on your house. You're going to focus on the fire. That's what you focus on. When you reduce the fire, put yourself in a more relaxed state, then your body can shift back to repair, digest, reproduce, heal. So we want to spend as much possible time in that what we call parasympathetic, the relaxed state, you know, the repair and digest and reproduce and all that. The fight or flight's natural. It's part of life, but we want to be able to manage it, mitigate it and work through it so we can go back to the everyday life stuff that as humans, what we want to do. And eating is a prime example. I love that you said that, especially as a nurse, you are often, depending on what, what area you're in, in fight or flight. So when you're trying to act like a snake, unhinge your jaw, shovel in your food before an alarm, a code, a page, something goes off and you're running like that food. It just sits there. It's <laughs> like the body's like it is on fire in this house. I can't we can't do the basic stuff right now. Not easily. And what do a lot of fight or flight people say? They have a lot of digestive issues. They have heartburn. They have gas. They have bloating. They have hormonal issues. They have sleep issues. They have weight issues, et cetera, et cetera because of this yes and they're, they're like what is, what does this have to do with what does my thyroid have to yeah. do with this you know like there's so many rabbit holes to go down with this topic but it's like the fertility you know like I, there's so many nurses that are stressed all the time that i knew struggled with infertility yeah. and and now i learn functional medicine and i'm i'm able to like articulate that you know and like i tell my students that like we have so much room to help people like the the human race survive right like it's actually at risk oh my at this gosh yes absolutely absolutely and especially like the night shift you know like i had a really wonderful years ago when i was in practice and this amazing night shift worker was trying to get pregnant and she'd had two miscarriages before she came to see me and her doctor wouldn't work her up because they said we have to wait till you get to three miscarriages before you work before you get further work up and i thought what who designed that law that was terrible so even though she was night shift worker, she had all sorts of thyroid issues, diagnosed, like we finally figured all this out, Hashimoto's, autoimmune, gut issues, um, worked through, and she stayed as a night shift worker. I said, look, we're just going to, God bless our night shift nurses, we need you, but it is definitely causing some problems on your body and we will do the best we can, work with diet, work with gut, you know, and those, by doing those things, her hormones improved, her ovulation improved, and she got pregnant, not once, not twice, but three more times. So with each time she wanted to get pregnant, she knew what to do. She knew how to go back to take care of herself, to work on that and get to those basics because she knew that would help her hormones and went on to have three kids, three healthy kids, bang, bang, bang. And I love stories like that to show because sometimes 
it can be overwhelming. You know, it can be hard when somebody's like, well, I know, you know, oh, but I work night shift or, oh, but I have a lot of stress. I'm like, oh gosh, there's so much you can do. Please don't feel like you're in a dead end or at a, at your wits end. There's so much. You're just not being told. I mean, you are on this podcast. <laughs> you know, you are in your, in your <laughs> program for sure. But if somebody, you know, somebody may be more conventional, if anyone listening has been told like, well, there's not much else we can do or, you know, it's like this pill or nothing. Hopefully you've now eyes open, realize there's so much you can do. Well, and how much does in vitro cost? And then for people to work with us, you know, and like just tune up basics is so foundational. But the the benefit beyond that is that now this gal that worked with you has that knowledge mm-hmm. to apply to three new people that came into the world. And, you know, I love seeing that when like my clients then take better care of their children or my students tell stories of how what they've done has like really improved like brain health conditions for children that they're caring for. And it's just it's so wonderful. We're on gut now, I think, like we're talking about food. You know, we can always help people clean up their diet. I think that's we I think that's very clear. And um, we recently had Dr. Holly Lucille on and she was talking about just like nutrients and that sometimes we do need to get them from a supplement that it's not in somebody's diet, that that it's it's unachievable. We can try our darndest and it's not going to work. But the gut plays so much of a role in hormone health for sex hormone balance. And so I would love for you to share some of your insights there. That Well, we know we are more microbe than we are human. So we have to be nice to our microbes. And as I said at the PLMI conference, hopefully every morning you wake up when you say your positive affirmations you say good morning to your microbes as well and wish them the very best day because your microbes um mo- you know we're talking about the microbes on our gi tract but i mean i hope everyone knows we have microbes on our skin we have them in our vagina we have them in our you know sinuses and in certain all over that we have microbes a lot of microbiomes in our body but the microbiome in our gi tract makes hormones it makes neurotransmitters it helps us digest and and get nutrients out and um it also helps us process hormones like estrogen and so if somebody is struggling with a lot of estrogenic type symptoms bad pms heavy periods fibroids endometriosis cramped sore tender breasts and they also have a lot of gut issues i'm thinking oof we got to work on that gut cuz what can happen is that your estrogen goes through detoxification and in part, part of them, part of your estrogens, end up in your GI tract. And they are, they've gone through um, a couple different phases of detox. So imagine them in a box with a bow on top and it's literally going to get put out in the trash, right? It's going to go through your intestines and all the way out into the toilet. But if your microbiome is not doing well, you develop a lot of this enzyme called beta-glucuronidase. And what beta-glucuronidase does is it opens the box, tonties the bow, opens the lid, and lets estrogen fly free. And when estrogen flies free, you reabsorb it back in the body. So it's kind of like taking the trash back inside. And so now you have all this estrogen that your body says, hold on, I thought I got rid of you. And as a result, you get all those symptoms that I mentioned. So sometimes, even by just starting with the GI tract, I've had a lot of women, men too, say, wow, my hormones got... So much better. My periods are so much better. My symptoms are really improved just by helping the gas, the bloating, the diarrhea, the constipation, the heartburn, etc. Because it all affects the microbiome, which impacts our hormones, and so it is very related. And and we can just teach people what prebiotic and probiotic yeah. foods to eat, and you know, like that addressing that can be so foundational too. It's yeah. not super fancy. We can get a stool test and see yeah. elevated beta glucuronidase. We can see a lot of things that we can work on. We can also start by saying, "Here's what the kind of foods that support this process look like," which is so powerful and under under acknowledged. Even have you ever have you ever had this with your client? Have you ever said, are there foods you shouldn't eat, but do anyway? And they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know I shouldn't eat whatever. Ice cream. I should not have ice cream. I shouldn't have dairy. But I have a, you know, latte every day. And I love my yogurt in the afternoon and ice cream for for dinner. And I'm like, and and you wonder why you have gas and bloating or diarrhea or constipation or both or even told you have IBS and there's no answer for it or you get headaches or you're really tired or you have eczema, like you, that's, it's never crossed your mind that you know this particular food or food group causes inflammation, but you eat it anyway. You know, I'm, I'm always just floored, like, really? You've never put that together? 
Sometimes they're in denial. They don't want to. Um, sometimes they know and they don't want to. But it's I think even just asking that question of people is part of coaching. Is there anything you know you shouldn't be eating or that you know triggers you and you eat it anyway? And people confess all sorts of things. And it's a good coaching point. I love like little pearl questions like that. Like what happened right before that? You know, we use that one a lot yes. when we're talking about clients. And this this one is so great, too. Like, <laughs> I love that because it's almost like confession. We one we talk about a lot, too, is um is is is, is some people sometimes have an intuition of what might be underlying mm -hmm. here. Do you have do you feel like you have any sense of what it might be? And they tend to confess mm -hmm. the thing that and then you know where to work because yeah. you're like, OK, they're willing to work on yes. this. They know it might be. <laughs> yeah. But we talk about elimination diets, the thing that they bring up that they they're like, do I have to give up this? That is almost always the problem. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they know. They know. But they're just waiting for, you know, a test in black and white or in color, depending on the test to say, yeah, you were right. You shouldn't be eating this. And now now, you know. So what are, you, what are we going to do with this information? That is so true. And you, I like your analogies are great. So the the, the packaging and the beta glucuronidase unpackaging that is is a great analogy. And I was listening to you use the bathtub description. And since we're talking about detox, yeah. you you talk a lot about toxins and hormone balancing. And and we talk in the course about endo, endocrine disruptors and and the impact that toxins can have on our sex hormone balance. Um, I would love for you to share your your bathtub analogy because that sounded really great. Absolutely. So with estrogen, I mean with 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 everything, I should say, it goes through two, if not three phases of detoxification. And so I always relate it to a bathtub. So we have the water coming into the bathtub, which is your phase one detoxification. So you can't turn the water off. You're always going to go through detox, but you can adjust it down to which pathway it's going down. So once the water comes in, then we look at the drain and the drain is your phase two detoxification. So now I want to know, like, is your drain open? Is your drain closed? Is your drain clogged? Then we move into the phase three part, which is essentially your sewer line out of the body, just like your intestines or your kidneys are the line out of your body and into the toilet. And so how, how's the sewer line? How's it looking? Is, is it clogged? Is it working? Is it inflamed? Is it infected? Does it have a lot of that enzyme beta-glucuronidase and what is going on? And so just like the bathtub in your house, you're going to start with the sewer line. If your sewer line has problems, don't why you can't turn the water off, but don't mess with the water. Don't spend all this money on fancy water. Fix your sewer line. Just like fix your intestines and fix your kidneys and you know make sure you're hydrated and make sure you've got good bile health and you know the liver in general to the bile to the intestines is smooth flowing then once your sewer line is addressed we're going to move up to the drain still i can't turn the water off but again don't spend a lot of money adjusting the water when you've got a big old hairball in that drain like let's pop the drain so the water can run free and then we work on the phase one which is the water where we uh can then direct you down a better pathway. Because in, in detoxification, some of our pathways are healthier than other pathways. Unfortunately, some of our pathways, if they continue, can lead to DNA damage, which we don't want. So we want to make sure we're on the right pathway. And then we want to make sure we're neutral and water soluble. And then we want to make sure we move into the sewer line because we're now water soluble and can be excreted by the body. And so I, I teach people water to drain to sewer line. So one, two, three, but you treat it in reverse. Always start with your clients with the sewer line. Always start with phase three, then move to phase two, then move to phase one. And by phases, sometimes you'll see this, on, I mean, you'll see this on the Dutch test. If you do run a Dutch test, Dutch does look at phase one and phase two. Some of you are getting into genetic and genetic testing they'll run some of the SNPs that are involved in phase one and phase two. Some of you are doing stool testing, GI testing, that's your phase three. And so there is different testing depending on need, budget, symptoms, where they are in their timeline, et cetera. And then you can get a better idea. But the foundations really affect a lot of it right from the get-go, which is nice.
It's funny. I tell my students that I'm a nerd about the tests. I love them. But I love going through an intake before a visit and getting ready and seeing that they're constipated. I'm like, hey, like (laughs) I can do something about this and they're going to feel so much better. It's so uh, like just peeing, pooping, sweating. Like, are they doing these really foundational phase three things? And when we can we don't have to fire up detox stuff when we're first working with somebody but like getting them to poop can change their life and and (laughs) they think they're pooping you sometimes you ask them like oh do you have regular bowel movements and they say yes and i say well how regular how often you know just like you would ask how regular and they'll go every three days twice a week crazy really yeah and and you know sometimes there is like a deep there's a dysbiosis thing going on that's related to that but a lot of time it's just their diet and you know maybe they're deficient magnesium like there's some really fundamental things maybe they're dehydrated and we take care of the dehydration and 10 other things get better like you mentioned earlier and i had a student talking last week about she addressed her gut and she had like used insects with her periods her whole life and within a couple weeks of addressing her gut she didn't even need them anymore and she's like and then it's a chicken and an egg thing right like which which was causing which to be worse um i love the examples you're using because they're like easy to associate with with so many clients and i know we're talking about women a lot but I was thinking I'd love to hear you were talking about things going down different pathways and like on the Dutch test, there's all these ways that our sex hormones can be metabolized. And the male part of that gets undervalued. And I don't think a lot of men are like asking for a Dutch test. But um, I would love for you to share a little bit about that, too. And they can't men absolutely can do a Dutch test. Um, Well, men can men can do all the testing um they can do all the hormone testing the genetic testing the stool testing and when it comes to estrogen because i do get asked this a lot is male estrogen detox different it's not it's the same so if you have a man who's coming in what we call over aromatizing into estrogen so their testosterone their androgens are converting extra into estrogen so now they have all this estrogen and we need to help them get rid of it because they're having depression, they're having, you know, belly fat, they're having, you know, the breast development, they're having, you know, low libido and erectile dysfunction because of all this estrogen, you can apply the exact same principles to them of how's your gut? (laughs) Are you pooping? You know, like, let's get this stuff out. Let's move, move this through your system. Are you absorbing your foods? Do you have any nutrients in the first place to make your liver work? Do you, is your bile thick and sludgy? Like, these things are just as helpful in your male clients who come in as for your female. Absolute same. I love on the test, the the flow sheet that you, you know, the PDF mm-hmm. that you can look at. And it has the little arrows that are like, these are the reasons this might be going this way. And here's some things that you can do about it. And it's so like, it looks so intimidating to see that the first time. But then you get comfortable with like, oh, I just don't want it going this way as much. So let me look at that. You used to be one of the people you could schedule with and like go for those results and be like, what do I do for this person? Um But yeah, I think that too often men are experiencing estrogen dominance also. Men are experiencing the same insulin resistance, all the same root causes. And we're talking about women, but it applies to everybody. (laughs) Absolutely. And I had one more specific thing I wanted to ask you about was... um, what you have seen in your your history, so much experience with hormones and and seeing test results with women with like breast cancer and increased risk for like, I know you talk a lot about like food choices that might affect even like, you know, risk for fibroids, but but going down the the analogy I always use is if you get in your car every day and open Google Maps, it's going to tell you a different way home based on traffic. Right. And so when you have uh, our sex hormones are being metabolized, that's happening all the time. We have all these pathways. I know my students are familiar with this concept once they've been through the course, but that, you know, our, our sex hormones can take these paths mm-hmm. to, to be detoxified and they could get prioritized down maybe a not so great one. Mm-hmm. And so um, for those folks that haven't uh, learned that yet. I just wanted to kind of like cue that up. Like you are looking at a test that can show you hormones being metabolized down a down a pathway that may increase their risk for certain conditions, including cancer right. and related to hormones. So I, I would you share some? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you let's say you're looking at a test or even you're just reading literature, research on breast cancer. And so um, you will see on the pathways to choose from when you're looking at that phase one. So back to the bathtub analogy, it's the water, the water step. 
So when you look at estrogens, estrogens can go down three options. It can go down what we call a two pathway, they're numbered, a four pathway or a 16 pathway. And the second word is hydroxy. So it's two hydroxy, four hydroxy or 16 hydroxy pathway. The two pathway is the like least risky. It's it's uh, color coded green on the Dutch test because green means good. And then we have the four hydroxy, which is color coded red. And um, that if it continues, if there's if your body doesn't intervene at all, then it will continue down a pathway that's called a quinone pathway with a Q and can risk you for uh, DNA damage, which we don't want. And then we have the 16 pathway and the 16 pathway is pretty estrogenic. And so it can cause things to grow or get thick, like thick, heavier periods, fibroids, polyps, things like that. And so we can't, remember, nothing can be zero. We can't turn it off, but we can advocate through diet or supplements to go down the two pathway. So a couple of things that are helpful. One, avoiding endocrine disrupting chemicals as much as you can. Two, minimizing alcohol as much as you can. Three, foods like uh, your cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, kale, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and then your uh, microgreens. So particularly your broccoli sprouts um, can also be helpful in that area and into your phase two. So now we move into the drain section and you got a big old hairball in your drain. We want to open up your drain and unclog it. And that part is called methylation and You'll see it on a on testing. Is it'll be called a methoxy. I don't know who names these things. I would have named them <laughs> more fun things, but it's a methoxy. And so with the methoxy, again, the uh, broccoli sprouts. When you chew up or chop up broccoli sprouts, there's uh, the ingredient glucoraphanin, and then it meets the enzyme named morosinase, and they magically turn into sulforaphane. So you may have heard of a supplement or product called sulforaphane. And that's the active ingredient in the microgreen broccoli sprouts when you eat broccoli sprouts. What that does is that helps to activate over 200 phase two enzymes. So basically activating over 200 different types of drains in your bathtub. And so that will help you clear out and drain out everything that's gone through phase one. Even if you're going down a naughty pathway in phase one, if you can unclog the drain it and your drain is good enough, then it doesn't matter what pathway it's going down. It will go down the drain and end up in your sewer system. And so by adding in cruciferous vegetables, microgreens like broccoli sprouts, or even some of the supplements um, like sulforaphane, as I said, can just help that whole system work better. Now, some other additional bonus supplements, glutathione and N-acetylcysteine also help deter you off that Q pathway, the quinone pathway. So if you're using uh, glutathione as part of your uh, treatment then or your uh, suggestions, then that can be helpful. Magnesium is another one. Magnesium is the actual required cofactor in your phase two. Uh, the methoxy part needs magnesium. It can use zinc as a backup. So making sure you're eating magnesium foods or getting magnesium in same for zinc foods or getting zinc in. So those are just a few ways to help really um, get that pathway to go down a hopefully cross fingers, happier, healthier outcome as opposed to the ones that cause DNA damage. I always listen when somebody's talking like, are, are my students, okay, we, they know what all those are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like that totally is making sense to them. Um, and I, I really appreciate all of this that you've shared. Um, I, I liked too, the thing you said earlier about the, the starting with one, two, that you teach one, two, three, but you then three, two, one is really the way you approach it. And the way you explain it with the bathtub is like so clear. Um, and I think everything that we've talked about is like so the modern lifestyle, right? Like we're addressing modern lifestyle. And our one component that isn't associated with that is our genetics, which tends to get blamed yeah. for most of the, the problems. But in reality, it's us, you know, activating our genes. Um, 
And you were talking in a podcast recently that I heard about um, the ideas of like, we, I tell my students, we're, we're there to un, unravel the myths of healthcare. People are hearing on the radio every day and the news, social media, this is bad for you. This is good for you. Drink more coffee, have less coffee. And you, you were talking recently about like, you'll help somebody and they'll say, oh, I noticed when I have less of this, my, my breast tissue's less dense. And you know that like, there really is an association and we have genetics to consider for every right and coffee metabolism. I think that is a big one that the test can reveal too. You talked about COMT when I heard you speak about yeah. it. Um, so if you have any insights there too for, for my students, I think genetics is just like exploding as a topic right now, right? Like us looking and acknowledging. So with genetics, one of the things I say about genetics and I love genetic testing and the bonus of genetic testing is you do it once because it's your genes, right? Like, so if it fits in your budget and you want to know what your genetics are, do it because the, now you have your answers. And um, a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Yale Joffe, she owns and co-founded um, 3X4 Genetics. And she always talks about genetics as a roadmap because you, just as you said, you can come in contact with or make choices that activate turn on, push on genes, just like you can make choices, come in contact with things that sort of suppress your genes, ex genetic expression. And that's why we love, I love knowing genetics to know what I'm up against for the future and then what I need to lean into. What, what do I need to know about my genes? For example, my estrogen genes are not great, which is super fitting that I'm in hormones because I, I am not the best at detoxifying estrogen um, or my estrogen receptors or, you know, a lot of things around my estrogen. So I take a lot of extra care in my life regarding avoiding as much as possible endocrine disrupting chemicals in, in my house or in my life. And, I you know, I don't drink a lot of alcohol. I take sulforaphane or grow broccoli sprouts or sometimes do both because I know this genetic susceptibility to myself I'm going to make sure to do the things to push me into a green pathway as opposed to a red pathway but you don't have to which is nice it happened you know we're in the field and I wanted to know and it fits in the budget so I have done genetic testing but when somebody says like, what what should I do to best optimize my genetics. I'm like, well, we're pretty solid in the literature around the basic in genetics, like smoking, alcohol, you know, chemicals, toxic, toxicants, chemicals. I, I know everything's a chemical, but like the endocrine disrupting chemicals, um, our sleep, community, you know, joy, movement, are the, the basics of detoxification, as you said, are you peeing? Are you pooping? Are you sweating? You know, just covering some of those basics will only even then help your blood sugar and insulin, which is going to help your cellular metabolism. All these things do or don't press on your genetic expression. And so if you have somebody who says, I'd love to, but it doesn't fit in the budget right now, the genetics is probably not the first test you're going to pick then. You're going to focus the money in, hey, you just told me this whole story. Sounds like we have, you know, a multi-step process in some of these foundations. Let's start there. Now, if you have a client who comes in and says, I've been doing this for 10 years, you know, I'm pretty adept. I'm just trying to clean up or I have a few of these sticking points. I've never done a genetic test. I'm really curious for sure. Like, absolutely. Yeah, let's do a genetic and see where you're at. You've got the foundations pretty well covered and you're still having some symptoms like let's do the next round of testing and, and see where we need to go from there. Um, again, kind of like an onion, but I don't generally I, I know some people do start with genetics, but I am very careful and cognizant around, again, people's goals and budgets and genetics doesn't always fit into the budget part. And so but I already know there's so much we can do. Yeah. And, you know, when we're talking about people being, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about people being heavy in supplements versus food, but, you know, in our goal in functional medicine is to find the root cause. And, and when we do this, when we tune up somebody's diet and we tune up whether they're lacking some essential nutrients and we tune up stress and sleep and reducing toxin exposures, and then they say, gosh, I did all that. And this thing isn't get That's exactly when I think testing is perfect. It's like, okay, yeah, we haven't made, gotten anywhere with this. And and I think, um, you know, I feel like nurses, we were talking a little bit earlier before we hit record about, I just feel like nurses are, have come to the, to the functional medicine world as a, as a group 
a little bit behind a lot of other practices in particular, like naturopathic physicians and, and chiropractors were probably like way ahead of a lot of us. Um, and, and I'm, I, when I started to learn functional medicine, I was like sitting there and the more, like, I was like waiting for it to all make enough sense because I learned it in pieces mm -hmm. initially. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, this is nursing school. This is stress and sleep. And it's like everything that we learn in nursing school doesn't get acknowledged the power it can have to, to really impact people's health. And so now it's like this firestorm is starting where all these nurses are learning like, wow, I can really like people don't need prescriptions. They're not deficient in prescriptions. They're not deficient in surgery. They're deficient in somebody partnering with them that's informed, yes. that can take the time and listen. And so I would love to finish today uh, with you sharing some of your thoughts on that as like the role of nurses and just what you've seen, I mean, through your experience in, in this field over time and like what could happen for the future. Here, One of the things that made me think of that, or I think when you were just talking right now, is that nurses are beyond skilled in observation. And how many times have nurses looked at vitals or maybe looked at lab work and thought, this isn't good or this isn't as good as I would like to see it as a nurse with experience, but maybe it got blown off or maybe it was, you know, just whatever. It wasn't super critical. And so then like whatever conventional yep. setting you're in, you're like, well, it's not super critical. So, you know, here's some pills and come back or let's just use some pills to suppress it or some pills to control it. And, you know, come back in a month or six months or whatever it is. And I know in the nurses that I talk to, they're like, I just got really frustrated in observing over and over and over again, like this isn't working. I'm seeing these people repeatedly. I'm the one oftentimes with a lot of contact, whether it's phone or messaging. I'm the one pulling blood work on them or vitals or getting their intake initially, especially in a conventional realm. And like something's not working here because you're back and you don't feel good. And so I think I'm psyched that you have the program and this podcast because because nurses have such incredible training and they have such incredible experience and such incredible observation skills. And this is like the missing piece where you're having those observations. That this is something's wrong here. And now you have the knowledge to do something about it. Now you'll have the coaching part to go, oh, you know what? Here's what's missing. Oh, you know what? In my experience, here's what I'm seeing. Oh, you know what? Like they're, you, they were, you were probably offered this pill. It probably didn't work. And here's why. Or you've got these side effects. Here's why. And here's what I'm, I'm going to coach you through. And, and we're going to talk about biology and physiology and, and foundations and, and and then maybe get into further advanced testing. And I think that's wonderful because you say behind like maybe behind some of the more functional practitioners, but I like I came into my like naturopathic licenses or chiropractic or like we already are in the functional field. Whereas nurses are at least in the medical field and have that have that foundation. I mean, my nurses that I worked with in my clinic, I turned to them for a lot of the conventional things where I'm like, I didn't learn this in naturopathic school. Like, at what point is this bad? Right. Right. At what point is this like, do I need to do something? <laughs> because this, this, <laughs> I, this is, may seem out of my scope. And I think by having that knowledge, but then able to layer on the functional coaching on top of it, it's, you know, amazing. You, it's going to change the world. Right. Oh, yeah. My PCP is the best of both worlds because I have an RN who became a naturopathic physician. Oh, I love so that. I'm in great shape here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I you made me think of you because when you go to PML, PLMI conferences and you see Dr. Bland and how excited he is about everything, you have to see that. Right. It's it's adorable. And and I told him last year what we're doing at Inca and with IFM for the course. And his I wish I had a picture of his face right then, just like because the light bulb going off for this idea, like nurses aren't doing this yeah. and we should be. And like, you know, he, I, he was so tickled. He's like, oh, my gosh, this is what this is the work we need to do. This is it right here. Yeah. Um, we need more nurses to know the role that they can play in functional medicine and like just fixing our healthcare system. Ab absolutely. I mean, we need we need the conventional side. I'm not you know, I, I hope nobody thinks I'm yep. doing that at all. We absolutely need it. But absolutely, it needs to be a blend because we have all witnessed where our healthcare system is going and chronic disease and autoimmune and, you know, cancer rates and, and 
what's currently happening isn't working for the the chronic, the acute, the inflamed, the metabolically dysfunction, the hormonally dysfunction, and that's where we can step in and really make a difference. Right. There's nothing better than Western medicine for somebody having a heart attack or, you know, there's so many examples of yeah. where it's the best plan. But it, yeah, you're right. Chronic in particular, it's like we we can do better. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for being on today. This was like such a treat. And I know all my students are going to really love this and everybody else that listens. Um, I get more and more students all the time that tell me, oh, my gosh, I hear how you guys talk about this on the podcast. And now I have to learn it like because it's just wonderful. And it's it's inspiring. You know, a lot of nurses are burned out and um, and them getting to learn that there's a new way for us to approach healthcare is so exciting. too. Yeah, huge. Yeah. So. I'm going to share all of your ways to get connected with you in in the show notes and um, and it'll be on my website and links to your website. I uh, I definitely want to have you back to talk about um, the the group components that you guys offer through the Lifestyle Matrix Resource Center, because I already was like queued up for that. We were talking about earlier. Yeah. And I know a lot of my students will be so excited for it. So that is a, a whole nother episode to talk about that. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And all of you guys, until next time, be well. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of the Functional Nurse Podcast. If you want to help spread the word about the powerful role nurses can play as true healers using functional medicine practices, consider sharing an episode with a nurse friend or on social media and click the subscribe button to stay informed of newly released episodes. You can also visit and share the links below in the show notes for more information on nursing resources and the Functional Medicine for Nurses course offered through the Integrative Nurse Coach Academy in partnership with the Institute for Functional Medicine. Until next time, be well.